you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And I wonder today if we have about 20 people that are going through the fight of their life that will say, you're going to use what the devil meant for evil and you're going to turn it around for my good. We're going to sing that bridge again. We're going to sing that bridge again. But right now, I want you to make up in your mind that you're going to worship prophetically that although we have not seen the victory yet that we're not going to leave this place until we feel a shift in the Holy Ghost I want you to lift your hands all over this house and I want you to sing it in faith right now I want you to sing you take what the enemy
with the voice of triumph. Give the Lord a great shout all over this house. Give the Lord a great shout all over this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. How many of you are thankful to be in God's house? I want you to look at someone and say, no place I'd rather be. I want you to look at somebody else and say, you made the right choice to be in the house of God. It feels good in the house today, and I'm going to preach a word to you, and I'm going to be honest, if you'll help me today, we're going to go short, sweet, and right to the point. Some of you said amen on that, and you haven't said amen all night. So that tells me I must be in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I give honor to our leadership. I love my pastor. Do you love Pastor Jordan and his life? They're awesome. Hey, y'all, that's not going to cut it with me. I happen to be very close to our pastor, and I know you can get louder than that. Do you love your pastor? All right. I embarrassed pastor. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Exodus, the 14th chapter and verses 5 through 14. It's such an honor to have my friend here with me today, Jonathan Reading. Can we give him a hand? He's a preaching machine. It's also great to have brother and sister Hopper with us today. We always love when they're home. Life changed when Cameron left. He was the life of the party. And we love it when he's home. And I'm sure mom loves it too, wherever she's at. There she is. How many of you know that sometimes it feels like you're on the run for your life? Anyone ever been there? How many of you know what it's like to feel like you've ran into a dead end and you don't know where else to go? How many of you feel that you have been in the fight of your life in this season that you're in? For all the rest of you, just listen. But for those of you who raise your hand, I have a word from God for you tonight. And I believe that at the end of this service, that things are going to begin to change. Change always begins in the mind. And then change begins in the heart. And when it begins to change on the internal, you begin to see it on the external. And change is about to happen. And let me just say this. Do not be weary in well-doing. For you are about to reap if you will not faint. I know that you're weary. I know that you've been running for your life. I know that you are fighting the devil on every side. But the Word of God says that if we will just keep moving forward, that we will reap the benefit if we don't faint. I figured I'd get a better amen than that from the church. I can't give you the exact number today, but in the context of the Scripture, the children of Israel had been held captive for something hundred years. Someone look at someone and say, that's been a, a long time coming. And God chose a man by the name of Moses. And he says, Moses, I'm going to use you to set my people free. Moses questioned the Lord and said, Lord, I don't have what it takes. Lord, I'm not qualified to do this job. But how many of you are thankful that you don't have to be qualified by yourself? 
But if you have God on your side, that's all of the qualification that you need. Are you thankful for that? So God uses this man named Moses to do these incredible works for him that softened the heart of Pharaoh. And after so many hundreds of years of being held in captivity, finally, he says, go. And here is where we pick up on our scripture. The book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, and we're going to begin at verse number 5. If you have it, say amen. Before that we read this, would you just ask that the Lord would open up your heart right now to his word. That his word would not fall on deaf ears, but it would fall on an open heart. Is that all right? I want you to lift your hands where you are right now. I want you to surrender yourself to God. I want you to open yourself up to his word. God, right now, I pray that every heart would be touched. God, that we would receive your word. Not on deaf ears, God, but on open ears and open hearts and open spirits. Let your word change and challenge and let your word deliver and set free somebody in this place out of Egyptian slavery mentality. In the name of Jesus, somebody said in Jesus' name. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 5. Please go ahead, designated reader. And it was told that the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Verse 6. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. That's some bad people right there. He didn't pick some random people. He picked the captains. Verse number 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Somebody say he hardened the heart. And he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with an high hand. Verse 9. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and the horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea besides something Tahatharoth <laughs> before Belzephon. Better than what I could pronounce it. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Hold it right there. Isn't it so fearful when you lift your eyes and all you can see is your enemy? No hope. Not sure where to go. But all you see is surrounding you is your adversary. Has anybody been there before? Go ahead. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to have served the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Mm. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Look at somebody and say, you're not going to see them anymore. That's the wrong person. Look at somebody and say, you're not going to see them anymore. Why will you not see them anymore? Verse 14. I want you to watch this. 
The Lord shall fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. You will not lift a hand toward the enemy. You will not lift a word toward the enemy. But the Lord will fight for you. If God be for us, who can be against us? I said, if God be for us, who could be against us? I'm telling you, we serve a God that has all power. We serve a God that's never lost a battle. We serve a God that's the undefeated champion of the universe. Are you thankful you serve an undefeated God? If you help me preach today, I'm going to preach on this simple subject. Pursued by Pharaoh. Pursued by Pharaoh. I know that you worship today in an incredible way. But I'm going to ask you right now, would you set down your Bibles? Would you set down your iPhones? Would you set down whatever is in your hand? And I want you to clap your hands and I want you to make a shout of victory in this house right now. Lift it up. 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 Somebody shout for victory. Look at somebody and say, I'm being pursued. (laughs) You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. I have to stand the rest of the service. I want you to truly realize today that there is an adversary that is out there who has you in his sight. There is an adversary that would love nothing more than to see you defeated. There's an adversary that has a bullseye on your back. And he's willing to do whatever he has to do to defeat you. The Bible says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible also declares that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave on Calvary. But... Just because he is already defeated and the church will prosper does not mean that there is an adversary that is on the hunt for those who choose to become weak. I want you to know that weakness in the Holy Ghost is a choice. The weakness that the lion looks for is not something that you're born with. What it is is when you become too tired to keep running. If you go into the great plains of Africa, one of the most incredible animals on this planet, the king of the jungle, the lion. Anyone heard of a lion before? Look at your neighbor and tell him, wake up. No, I want you to tell him, wake up. Tell him, you've been asleep all service. Wake up. How many of you have heard of a lion? Oh, there we go. Is this mic on? Good. The lion is the top of the food chain in Africa. 
And when you watch the lion hunt the wild beasts of the field, you will never see a male lion or a female lion go after a full-grown buffalo. You'll never see it. The buffalo is too large. The buffalo is too strong, and it runs in a pack. I don't believe that one lion wants to truly go against a pack of 2,000-pound buffaloes. They're a little bit smarter than that. Let me just stop here for just one minute and say that's why it is so important to be unified in a church. Yeah. Because when the adversary comes around, he's not just fighting one of us, but he's fighting the whole herd, and he's fighting the whole family, and when he's fighting all of us, he can't do a thing. I wish I had a preaching church in this house today. But I'll tell you what you will see, Pastor. You will see the top predator of the food chain run behind the pack and they'll run until one of the yearling wildebeest or yearling whatever get weary and it's running for its life and it's doing everything that it can to get away from its adversary. But it's, there comes a point where it runs so long that it chooses to give up. It begins to run behind the pack. And that's exactly what your adversary does. He waits until he can find a Christian that is tired of running and he gets away from his church family. And he waits for somebody. He waits for a tired and weary Christian that is sick and tired of running. And instead of running to its mark and running to its destination, it just decides to walk. Let me tell you something. Your adversary has been around a very long time, Brother Duggar. He's been doing this for a long time. Let me tell you, you don't have any time to waste on slowly dragging your feet and saying, I'm just going to take a sabbatical. I'm just going to take a break from living for God. I'm not going to worship this Sunday because I'm weary. I'm not going to get involved because I'm weary. We don't have time to not get involved, but we got to do everything that we can. Let me tell you something. I hope that somebody in this place that's been weary for a long time would say, maybe a little bit, I lost my run. Maybe I lost my agility, but I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to keep moving forward in the kingdom of God. You'll never see the lion attack full-grown, healthy animal. But you'll see them go after the yearlings. But here's the thing. The yearlings that decide to be weary. The yearlings that decide to give up are the ones that end in defeat. But as for the others... The ones that decide, I'm going to keep going with the pack. The ones that decide, I'm not going to give up. The ones that decide, I'm going to keep running this race that I've started. Those ones, through their hunting, through the adversary that wants to kill them, they learn Agility. They learn tenacity. And they learn that they become stronger the more that they run. 
I wish to God this evening that I'd have a preaching church that realizes something. That if you will not give up in the fight that you're going through, if you will not give up though the adversary is on your tail, what you're going through is going to make you stronger than you've ever been before. What you're going through is not going to kill you, but it's going to get you go further than you've ever gone. At the turn of the 21st century, the cod of the East Coast were in much high demand. No, I'm sorry. The cod from the West Coast. I get them mixed up every time. The cod from the West Coast were in high demand for the cod on the East For the the cod on the West Coast were in high demand for the consumers on the East Coast. Thank you. (laughs) Tongue twister. However, there was just one problem. How in the world are you going to get the cod from the west coast to the east coast and still keep it fresh? Has anyone here ever had bad fish? (laughs) Let me tell you something. It makes you not want to eat fish anymore. (laughs) Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? They tried to keep it in freezers and ship it by train. Because at the time, the railroad was the fastest mean of travel. And so you have a bunch of railroad carts full of freezers of cod going to the East Coast. But there was one problem. When they arrived to the East Coast, they lacked flavor. So they had to go back to the drawing board. Because it's not the same when they're alive, you know. Dead fish that's been on a train for a week probably does not taste near as good as the fresh ones. Or someone is just very needy on the East Coast. So they come up with another idea, Brother Newcomer. I've got it. I'm going to turn the train into a live aquarium. This is a true story. So they put big aquariums on railroad tracks. They put it full of cod. And they begin to make their journey across to the East Coast. When they arrive into the east, there's a few that are belly up. Didn't necessarily make it, you know. Motion sickness probably. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. But when they got to the east coast in the aquarium, Brother Duggar, there was just one problem. Yes, it kept the fish alive. But a lot of the people still believe that it lacked the flavor. Hmm. So there was this crazy man. He was an, I don't know, oceanologist, whatever you want to call him, zoologist. He knew a lot about fish. So he got this brilliant idea. I've got it. We're going to put all of the cod in the aquarium on the railroad tracks, but we're going to do something else. We are going to put catfish in the aquarium with the cod. Look at someone and say, catfish. They got this brilliant idea because catfish were their greatest predator. And they got the idea that if we put catfish in the tank, that they will continue to move around. 
and they will remain fresh. They put the catfish in the tank, Brother Nate. They get that train moving across to the East Coast, and they figured it out. Because they kept the catfish in the tank, which caused the other fish to swim, they found their flavor. Now see, the Israelites, the Lord has just set them free from hundreds of years of slavery. The Bible says that God softened the heart of Pharaoh to let his people go. But where the context of the scripture comes back, it says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why in the world? Why in the world would God soften a heart of a man to let his people go just to turn around and harden his heart again to pursue them? <laughs> you see, here's the thing. Now Israel sees Pharaoh's army coming in their direction and they are trapped with their back at the sea. They've come to the end of their road. Where are we going to go now? What are we going to do now? These weren't just a couple of soldiers on feet. These were Pharaoh's mighty men. These were Pharaoh's greatest chariots that he had. You see, because he took it a little personal because his firstborn son has passed. They became so afraid that they looked at their fearless leader Moses and said, Did you just bring us outside of Egypt so we can die because Egypt didn't have enough graves for us? It was God that softened the heart of Pharaoh, and it was God that hardened the heart of Pharaoh right after. Why would God set them free from Egyptian slavery, but now allow them to be pursued? You may be wondering today why that you feel like no matter where you turn in your life, help me Holy Ghost, you might be feeling no matter where you go, you're face to face with an adversary. You might be feeling today, no matter which way that you turn, that there's an adversary chasing you. The thing that God is allowing to pursue you is not meant to destroy you. The thing that God is allowing to pursue you is not going to kill you, nor will it hurt you. But sometimes God allows something to chase you so you can learn something. Sometimes God will let something chase you. Let me tell you what God said. I'm going to make him chase you so I can show you my true power. You see, because after hundreds of years of slavery, they just began seeing the power of God again. See, because before Moses was on the scene to set his people go, God had not spoken a word to one person. God had not done a miracle for one person in over 300 years. So God says, I'm going to allow them to pursue you 
so I can show you my power. Let me tell you something. If everything in your life goes right, if everything in your life is perfectly fine, you would never know the power that God has in his hand. I wish today that I would have a preaching church that would realize that maybe the reason that you're going through what you're going through is so God can come on the scene and say, I want you to watch me do what I do best. I want you. Let me tell you this. Here's where I feel in the Holy Ghost. This is what the Lord told me today. Listen, I had another message, but the problem was is that Brother Jordan over here used my text and used everything that I was going to say this morning. I kid you not. I looked at him at the end of service. My eyes were this big. I said, well, I'm going to have to study again because you are a sermon thief. No, I didn't even tell him what I was going to preach. It was all the Lord. I began to seek the face of God today on what he wanted me to say to all of you great people in this house. And the Lord said that let them know that even though they've been pursued for a long time, I'm sending a shift in their life right now. And Somebody hear me in this place. Your season is about to change. Your season is about. I want to know something in this place. I need to know if I'm in the Holy Ghost. Am I talking to anybody in this house right now? You know what? Sometimes we show God how much faith that we have by the response of his word. And the word of the Lord is coming forth to a church that's been going through a season where it feels like they're drowning in their mess. That seems like they're drowning in their trial. That seems like they're drowning in their circumstance. And I wonder right now if there's anybody in this house that believes what I'm preaching that says, I believe. Please give me 10 minutes of response and we're going to get out of this service. Is that all right? I need 10 minutes of response tonight. I want you to lift your hands where you are right now. There is so many distractions in this room right now. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, God, I want you to speak to me right now. Lift your voice with those hands right now. Lift your voice with those hands. Yeah, that's it. Just lift your voice for a moment. Just lift your voice right there for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I want somebody in this house to listen to me. I understand that you've been in a season of loss. I understand that you've been in a season of pain. And I understand that life is not always easy. I get it. I've been there and some of you are there right now. But I wonder today if you truly believed that things were about to turn in your favor, how would you respond in this house? If you truly believe that your adversary was going to be wiped out of this house, what would you do? Pastor, give me that microphone. 
give me that microphone. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with this one. I just want to hear myself a little bit better here because you're going to make me preach tonight. You're going to make me preach tonight. I want you to know something. There is no adversary that is too great for God. There is no devil that could do anything to you that God does not have his hand on. We give the devil too much credit. We give the devil too much credit. Well, maybe he has power over me. Well, maybe I can't make it away from him because he's too strong. Listen to me. The devil was defeated at the cross. So every adversary that is coming after you must be the will of God. Oh, that's preaching no one likes to hear. Maybe the adversary that's been chasing you with addiction and been chasing you with depression all of these years is for a reason. My God, somebody had to help me preach. Let me tell you something. Every day that the adversary does not take you out, you're growing. Every day that the adversary does not kill you, you're learning something. If you know this verse, I want you to shout it with me. Greater is he that is in Say it again. Greater. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Greater is he that is in me than any devil in hell that could try to take me out, that could try to corner. Hey, I'm going to see a victory in this house. I know that you've been in a season where you've been running for your life. I know that you've been in a season where the adversary has been trying to catch you at every corner. But I'm telling you today that the tables are about to turn. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now in a powerful way. Be seated. Give me... Is it okay if I have a few more minutes tonight? Am I doing all right? Is this okay? I want you to put up Exodus, the 14th chapter, and verse number 13. I'm about to show you the season that this church is about to walk in. And I feel a prophetic anointing on me right now. And I'm going to speak some things in the prophetic that we're going to see come to pass very quickly in this place. Mm-hmm. 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 I understand that the adversary has tried everything he can do to weaken this congregation. I understand that the adversary has tried to do everything he can do to break your marriage apart and to make you lose your mind and to make you backslide. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Look at someone and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your enemy. Don't be afraid of your adversary. Don't be afraid of depression. Don't be afraid of any addiction that tries to come at you. Don't be afraid. And then he goes on to say, stand still. Look at someone else and tell them, stand still. Stand still. 
You, listen, Israel, you've been on the run out of captivity, and you've ran all that you can go. Now I want you to stand still. You have nowhere else to run, but I want you to stand still. Why? And see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, which he will show to you tomorrow. Which he will show to you next week. Which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom ye see you can't always trust your eyes you can't always trust how things look you you can't always judge what you're going through off of what you see in the moment someone say amen the Egyptians whom ye have seen today. I love this part. You shall see them again no more. For, for a short time, for a week. Until you relapse on alcohol again. Until you relapse on your drug addiction. Until you relapse on your porn addiction. Until you relapse with depression. Until you relapse with suicidal thoughts. I'm telling you right now that there's people in this room that have been facing an enemy for a very long time. But I've come with a word from the Holy Ghost. The enemy which you see, you shout. You shall see no more forever. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that God has come in this room to deliver some mindsets and to set people free. Brother Finney, I can put my glasses on. Where are you at? Let me tell you something. The adversary that you've seen for the last year of your life, you're about to see no more. I'm telling you, listen to me. The reason that God has chosen such faithful people to go through what you've been through is for him to show you just how powerful he is. Dad, the season that we've been through is not always going to last, but we're going to see victory come out of this. And the enemy that we're afraid of seeing again, we're not, we're not going to see him anymore. The enemy that faces each and every one of you in these seats, you're not going to see him again. I know that seasons can be tough. I know that seasons can be frustrating and questions happen. But I'm telling you that seasons are shifting. Lift your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this. I wish I had a church that would lift their voice for a minute. The adversary has been coming at this church in a very strong way for the last six months. 
and the adversary has came in so many homes to cause disunity among the church. Is that all right for me to say? Because the truth is, is that the adversary's greatest goal is to weaken the body of Christ. Am I in the word? Am I in the word? When the enemy is coming against you, the reason that he's coming against you is because he wants to attack the body. Because when the arm has pain, the arm sends a signal through the body into the brain and says, I'm hurting. You think that what you're going through and allowing yourself to get it in the worst place spiritually that you've been in a long time is only affecting you. But the truth is, is it doesn't, is, it doesn't just affect where you're at, but it affects the leaders. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that deliverance would sweep in this house in the name of Jesus. Stand all over this house. Stand all over this house. I want the music to come tonight. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's clap our hands and shout to God. Let's clap our hands and shout to God. The enemy that you see, you shall see no. Forever. Somebody shout forever. Somebody shout forever. You've ran as far as you can run. You've done everything that you can do. I want you to hear the voice of this preacher tonight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I just want the music to play very softly right now. I understand today 
that this altar call might not be for everybody. But if you have been pursued until you can't go any further and you don't know where to turn at this point, I want you to come. I want you to come. Come quickly, quickly. If you're on this platform, if you're a praise singer and I'm talking to you, I want you to come. You know, the problem that the children of Israel faced once their enemy was defeated. Because the story goes that when they crossed the sea and the sea closed, that all of the army of Pharaoh was destroyed. But the problem was no longer was captivity physical, but the captivity was mental. They spent so much time wondering and complaining and murmuring and blaming everything that they could think of that they said we would be better off in Egypt. We had food. Although that they had manna from heaven every day and God even began to provide quail, they said, well, we had better food back in captivity. Well, life was easier in captivity. And the reason it took them 40 years to go to the promised land was because they never got the captivity mindset out of their head. I feel revelation in this house right now. You see, because the word of the Lord is saying, I'm going to eliminate your enemy. I'm going to eliminate your problem. I'm going to eliminate the thing that chases you. But you have to eliminate it out of your own mind. Freedom is a mindset. At the beginning of this country, when America and Britain were fighting in 17, whatever it was, Britain would say, you cannot do this. And America said, I can't. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Because they had the mindset of freedom. They were no longer slaves to England up here. And although it seemed that everywhere they looked was their enemy, in their head they said, yeah, but the adversary I see, I'm not always going to see it. He's not going to stay for very long because I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free. Now listen to me. Somebody in your mind, you need to get this down in your spirit. I know that I see the enemy on the horizon, but the enemy I see, I'm not going to see him anymore. When Moses spoke these words, the adversary was still in view. Yeah. The adversary was not eliminated at that point, but he was still in view. Because before that they saw it, they had to have faith to believe. You 
don't have to live a slave in your mind. You don't have to remain held captive and held hostage by the devil in your mind anymore. But in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom all over this house right now. To every person in this altar, I speak freedom. I speak. I feel a tearing in this house. Somebody pursue God. Somebody pursue Him. Somebody pursue Him right now. Somebody lift your voice and pursue Him. Somebody lift your voice and pursue Him right now. I understand that the season looks rough. I understand that the adversary is in sight. But the Lord is on your side. The Lord is fighting for you. And you're going to see victory. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Kotoraba Shatarian La Mahata. Yeah. Somebody's getting their fight back. Somebody's getting their fight back. Somebody who's on the edge of giving up is getting their fight back. You need to stand on your two feet and say, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to keep going. That's right. Come on, let's push further. Let's push further. Let's move further right now. The Lord is doing some unique things in people's lives in this moment. Come on, I want you to pray right now. I want you to pray right now. I want you to pray right now that the Lord would begin to do something. We need to see a victory tonight. We need to see a victory tonight. You're going to use what the devil meant for evil, and you're going to turn it around for my good. It's about time that we get out of our moseying, and we get out of our complaining, and we get in the mindset of victory, and we get in the mindset of deliverance. God is going to give victory in this house. God is going to give victory. God is going to give victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. There's victory all over this house right now. You need to walk in victory. You need to walk in victory. You need to walk in victory.
Let me out of my breath and rebel, she can't. 